Hello, friends. It's January 11th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and it is a pleasure to encourage each other to read through God's Word in this year. We are in the Old Testament, book of Genesis, chapter 24, in the midst of this wonderful love story of Rebecca and Isaac. It profoundly foreshadows a greater love story. The father has purposed to get a bride for his son, and he uses the agency of a messenger with a message. The messenger is not named, nor does the messenger speak of himself, but speaks of the son and the father's will. How this beautifully foreshadows and is reflective of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, who brings the word that speaks of the son and draws the bride to enter into a relationship of wedded oneness with him. So let's go to where we left off yesterday and read from the book of Genesis. We are in chapter 24, verse 52, and I am reading from the English Standard Version. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and gold and garments, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman remain with us a while, at least ten days. After that she may go. But he said to them, Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They said, Let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah their sister and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebekah and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Be'er-Laharoi and was dwelling in the Negeb. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah his mother and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Chapter 25 Abraham took another wife, whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimron, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shuah. Jokshan fathered Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Dedan were Ashurim, Ledashim, and Luumim. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Epher, Hanak, Abida, and Eldaah. All these were the children of Keturah. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac. But to the sons of his concubines Abraham gave gifts, and while he was still living he sent them away from his son Isaac 
eastward to the east country. These are the days of the years of Abraham's life, a hundred and seventy-five years. Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite, east of Mamre, the field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with Sarah his wife. After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac his son, and Isaac settled in Beer Lahai Roy. These are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's servant, bore to Abraham. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael, named in the order of their birth. Nebaioth, the firstborn of Ishmael, and Kedar, Abiel, Mibsham, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadad, Tema, Jetur, Nafish, and Kedema. These are the sons of Ishmael, and are their names, by their villages and by their encampments, twelve princes according to their tribes. These are the years of the life of Ishmael, a hundred and thirty-seven years. He breathed his last, and died, and was gathered to his people. They settled from Havilah to Shur, which is opposite Egypt in the direction of Assyria. He settled over against all his kinsmen. Now we read about the birth of Esau and Jacob. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was forty years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah his wife conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, the older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. Afterward his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was sixty years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. And just as a note, Edom sounds like the Hebrew word for red. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Chapter 26 Now there was a famine in the land, 
besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar and Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and will bless you. For to you and your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice, and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac settled in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister, for he feared to say, My wife, thinking, lest the men of the place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say, She is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I thought, Lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, What is this that you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people, saying, Whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich, and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So let's take a moment to reflect upon what we have read. In the New Testament we learn that the Old Testament history not only supplies us with a record of what happened historically, but that these incidents recorded in Scripture are for our example and for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come, in 1 Corinthians 10.11. These accounts are for our practical benefit. In verse 5 of chapter 25 of Genesis, we read, Now Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. We've already seen how Abraham is a picture of God the Father who provides his only son as the perfect substitutionary sacrifice in Genesis 22 on the mountains of Moriah, meaning scene of God or center stage in the theater of redemption, the location of Golgotha, Mount Calvary. But in the very same geographical area, hundreds of centuries later, God would provide himself as a perfect sacrifice, the greater Isaac, Jesus Christ, so that we would receive the promised blessing of his deathless life and a relationship with him throughout eternity. In Genesis 24, we see a picture of God's greater plan. Father Abraham, a type foreshadowing God the Father, sends his messenger, a type foreshadowing the Holy Spirit, to get a bride, a type foreshadowing the church, for his son, a type foreshadowing Jesus Christ. Now in chapter 25, we see other aspects of the gospel reflected in these expositional constants. Abraham, prefiguring God the Father, gives all that he has to his son Isaac, a type of God the Son, in Genesis 25.5. This is the first mention in the Bible of inheritance. Jesus said, 
All things that the Father has are mine, in John 16:15, and all that is Christ is made known to us and available to us by the Holy Spirit. In Christ we receive all that the Father has of an incorruptible inheritance, in 1 Peter 1, 4. We are just moments away from receiving what is ours as spiritual billionaires with every spiritual blessing legally written over to us in Christ. Another pattern emerges in the book of Genesis. Prophetic pictures of the first man and the second man, the flesh and the spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. In 1 Corinthians 15.46, we have prophetic pictures of this truth, not only in the first man Adam and Christ the second man, in 1 Corinthians 15.47, but in Cain and Abel, Ishmael and Isaac, Esau and Jacob, King Saul and King David, as well as others. God sets aside the first, that he might establish and bless the second. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 9. These examples of the first and the second become a picture of the flesh, that is all that humankind is apart from Christ, and the spirit, the old man and the new, the old order and the new creation. Jesus said, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. In John 3.6 It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. In John 6.63 For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. Cain, Ishmael, Esau, and Saul are pictures of the unregenerate natural man. We see them expressing a disregard for what is important to the Lord. Cain resented the righteousness that Abel received by grace through the obedience of faith. Abel knew the story of his parents' disobedience and how God rejected their own efforts to repair their nakedness. God clothed them with animal skins. Abel gave God what God required of an innocent animal substitute, picturing faith in Christ the Lamb of God for sinners slain. Ishmael mocked Isaac, the promise given by God. And we saw in today's reading that Esau despises his birthright. Whereas Ishmael pictures the natural man, the flesh, Isaac pictures those who were birthed through faith in the promise. Isaac is a type of a person who has experienced conversion, one who is born by the power of God through faith in God's word. The Apostle Peter tells us that we who believe have been born of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. In 1 Peter 1.23 For you have been born again not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring Word of God. The Apostle Paul makes a similar analogy in Galatians 4 verse 28 And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. Warren Wearsby says it well, quote, Ishmael was born a slave, but Isaac was born free. Ishmael was born poor, but Isaac was born rich. Every believer in Jesus Christ shares all the blessings of the Spirit in Christ and is part of Christ's glorious inheritance, End quote. We have a picture of this inward rivalry of the flesh and the Spirit in Isaac's sons, Esau and Jacob. Learning patience is part of our God-given curriculum in the school of faith. Noah preached for 120 years without a convert. 
Abraham waited twenty-five years for Isaac to be born. Isaac and Rebekah waited twenty years for their children. Jacob had to labor for seven years for his wife, only to get the wrong one, and had to labor another seven years. Joseph had to wait twenty years to be reconciled to his brothers. The book of Genesis teaches us that it is important to be patient. God is not in a hurry. His timing is perfect. In Genesis 25, verse 21, we read, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren, and the Lord answered him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. But the children struggled together within her. The twins within Rebekah's womb, though twins, were rivals from the womb, whose descendants would also be rivals. In Genesis 25:23, the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples will be separated from your body, and one people shall be stronger than the other, the older shall serve the younger. First there is a prophecy of the older serving the younger. Later in the chapter, the older, Esau, sells his birthright to the younger, Jacob. The immediate gratification of having food in the belly meant more to him than a promised blessing that seemed less real, less relevant, and less beneficial in the moment. That is his inheritance. Big mistake there. Now we read from the New Testament. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, beginning with verse 18. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me, and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And when he got into the boat, the disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? And when he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. And the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. The New Testament reading starts with a scribe coming to Jesus and professing that he will follow him wherever he goes. But will he follow? Here are some tests for our discipleship. Will we follow Christ unconditionally, even if it means abandoning the comforts we are accustomed to? Do we profess to be followers of Christ and yet insist on following on our own terms and in our own time? Jesus says, Follow me now. 
a would-be follower of Christ might say, wait until the ball game is finished. Wait until I finish what I want to do or what I think I need to do. Is that trusting Jesus? Do we follow Christ only when it is convenient or can be accommodated with the rest of our plans? Jesus said to a scribe wanting to be associated with him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Some wanted to follow Jesus with the wrong motives. Jesus makes it clear that to follow him we need to abandon our preoccupation for creaturely comforts and worldly success. Jesus takes to himself the messianic title, Son of Man, for the first time in the Gospels. The title comes from Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, and is a claim to divine kingship. We read in Daniel, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Jesus' authority is demonstrated in the following paragraphs. His authority over nature is displayed when he rebukes the wind and the waves in the midst of a great storm on the Lake of Galilee in Matthew 8, verses 23 to 27. As Jesus crosses to the southeast of the coast of the lake, he demonstrates his authority over the demonic realm. Two demonized men were in the cemetery. They exhibit the dominion of darkness, death, and violence. The demons recognize and confess aloud Jesus' true identity. In Matthew 8.29, they cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? The protest of the demons is instructive. The kingdom of darkness is entirely in opposition to the kingdom of God's dear Son. There is no middle ground. Jesus is the Son of God, no doubt about it. The demons know it. They also know that they are subject to His authority and one day will be reckoned with and suffer torment in the future judgment. The demons knew that Jesus had the authority to send them into a herd of swine, which was preferable to being sent into the abyss, in Luke chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus values human beings more than pigs and sheep, in Matthew 12, 12. It appears that this was Jewish property, and the keeping of pigs for food was contrary to the Mosaic law. Jesus brought peace to a community that had been plagued by the violence of these demoniacs. Now they had peace, but refused to accept the Prince of Peace because his acts were considered damaging to their business. Now a reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 10, from the ESV. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, 
and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten, he has hidden his face, he will never see it. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand, forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account? But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. So as we read through the book of Psalms, we're going to find some Psalms in which David is venting. His heart cries may not be in line with those of the Lord, but they are heard nevertheless, and they are welcomed by God. And this should encourage us to express our frustrations and even our confusions to God. Then let Him sort you out. It makes for a vigorous prayer life. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Be real with God. He will be real with you. A reading from Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 7 to 8. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh, and refreshment to your bones. As we read the Proverbs, we learn that a cheerful heart is like good medicine, and we also learn here that a little bit of humility can be healing, good medicine to your bones. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for teaching us about the flesh and the spirit, and may we never despise the things that you esteem as precious. Your word is to be desired more than gold. Your word is to be esteemed more than my necessary food. May I never second-guess the wisdom of the cross your perfect solution for my salvation. May I never mock the promise like Ishmael or despise the birthright like Esau. I thank you that my inheritance is in Christ and has been won for me by Christ. Keep me from rationalizing my disobedience. Help me to follow you even when it is not convenient. Teach me not to be afraid by reminding me that you are with me, will never leave me, and are sovereign over the storms. May I care more about people's eternal souls and their being set free from the dominion of darkness than what's for dinner or how to keep my swine herders happy or my business prospering. Enlighten my understanding with a consciousness of your presence so that I will lose all appetite for evil. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining with us today. It was a blessing to be reading the Word of God together, and God willing, we'll be back tomorrow as we press on with the one-year Bible tour. I always like to remind you that we provide a free service, sending out a daily email with a written copy of our commentary on each day's portion with color maps, charts, and illustrations that folks find helpful. You can subscribe to this free service by going to our website, newlife.org. And you can always contact us by email. Our email address is podcast at newlife.org. We're happy to field your questions, receive feedback, uh, prayer requests, and learn more how we can be of encouragement to you. You can also help us in our mission to spread the Word of God through this podcast by indicating that it's a blessing to you, subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, leaving a review, or giving us a like. So until next time, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Shalom. Peace be with you.